Hello and welcome to the Cisco Learning Network podcast. If you're interested or considering a career in IT, keep listening. Because in this episode, Cisco Learning Network Community Manager Sarah Perigine will be speaking with industry professionals about their experiences in the field, including their advice on starting out, the role of Cisco certifications and career goals, and how to overcome gender and racial disparity in the tech field, and much more. The panelists that Sarah will be interviewing today includes Anne Gentle, who is a Developer Experience Manager in Cisco DevNet. So one of the things I think that is the most important thing, especially in IT and how fast things are moving is you have to learn how to learn. There's an entire class, like just how to learn or how to read to learn. And so I think that's super critical. And especially as you look around today at like having to do online learning. Deera Footman is also a panelist in today's discussion. Deera is a senior engineer with 10 years of experience within the tech industry. And there's always something new to learn. You're never going to get bored. Pretty much your only limitation in tech is yourself and your drive. So you really get to forge your own path. Last but not least, our final panelist is Micheline Murphy, a data center engineer specializing in ACI builds. And for those of you who don't know what ACI is, that's application-centric infrastructure. It's basically a way of configuring automation for a network to be able to handle many different devices trying to connect to it at once. For me, with a career change and not having anything that I could put on paper as projects or things like that I worked on, certifications really were very important to me for resume building to be able to to talk to potential employers about my body of knowledge certifications ended up being kind of the quality assurance. Sarah kicks off this discussion with an introduction to these three experts and allowing them each to talk about their professional experience in the field of information technology. My name is Sarah Perigine, and I'm going to be the moderator for this panel. I'm pleased to introduce today's panelists, Angentil D.R. Footman and Micheline Murphy. Let's go ahead and get started by everyone introducing themselves, their roles, how many years they've been in the industry, and, and we can go ahead and start with you and go around. Yeah, thanks, Sarah. So yeah, I'm Ann Gentle. So I work at Cisco. I've been here about three years, so not too long at Cisco. But I've been in the industry probably over 20. I really had to sit down and think about that. But luckily, in the year 2020, the math is easy. So that's how long I've been doing this. But I've had a lot of experience at different companies, so I can kind of bring some of that to this conversation and talk about different areas I've been working in in different companies, too. Good morning, everyone. My name is Deara Footman. I've been in networking for 10 years. Started out as a tech, pretty much doing all the grunt work that the senior engineers didn't want to do. All the in-depth research, tickets, all that good stuff. Worked my way up once I got my certs to being a project resource and then eventually leading projects. I've worked in K-12 education, healthcare, federal government, and now digital marketing and service providers. Love networking, huge networking nerd. And I'm currently focused on hodgepodge of route switch, data center, and some security. For those of you who might be new to networking, what Deer is referring to when she mentions route and switch is the ability to configure the connection between the internet and computers. This is done through those two pieces of equipment that she mentioned, routers and switches. Sweet. Micheline, 
My name is Micheline Murphy. I'm a data center engineer. I work at CDW in a consulting engineer capacity. So I design, implement, and troubleshoot primarily ACI projects. I've been in this particular role for just about a year. Prior to that, I was writing technical articles on ACI and quite a number of them are published at the Cisco Learning Network. I've been in the field since 2016. Prior to that, I was a lawyer. I had a legal career of about 15 or so years, kind of got a little bit bored with that and looked to do something different and switched in 2016 to network engineering. Thank you. You guys have a definitely wide range of experience. I know Dira at least had mentioned certifications. I know on the Cisco Learning Network, we talk quite a bit about getting certifications and how that can help you get started. And I just kind of wanted to ask you guys, for you, has pursuing certifications sort of helped you pursue your career goals? And if so, how has that done that? So for me, once I got my CCNA, it allowed me to be included more into projects that were going on. I kind of went from just being focused on break-fix work to being part of the strategic planning and actually integration of projects and lifecycle updates. So it's definitely helped elevate my career as far as job responsibility goes. Thanks, Jira. Anne or Micheline, did you guys want to go ahead and jump in? I'll hop on in. So for me, with a career change and not having anything that I could put on paper as projects or things like that I worked on, certifications really were very important to me for resume building to be able to talk to potential employers about my body of knowledge. Certifications ended up being kind of the quality assurance that, in fact, I did have the knowledge that I said I had and I had the certifications to prove it. So now that I'm working on access project and I'm able to say, oh, I built this or I did that, you know, certifications kind of help reinforce that idea that, you know, as an engineer, especially as an ACI engineer, I'm a subject matter expert, but, but certifications were definitely pretty important in my career building. And so for me, I actually started out in chemistry, undergrad in chemistry, and then I worked in an internship. I think internships are a huge part of like figuring out what you're good at or what you like to do, right? And so an internship led me to read a lot of like technical manuals and I was like, this is interesting. Do people do this for a living? And sure enough, they do. So I went and got a master's degree in that. So that is sort of like this meandering path, right? And so what ended up happening is then the internet blew up, that became very interesting to me. So I tend to follow things that are interesting and, and find out, oh, can you do a job of this? Oh, can you do a job of that? And I think that's where certifications come in because you're like, oh, I can get certified in that, prove that I know like Micheline saying, you know, and it's like, oh, there are jobs in that. And oh, I can prove I can do that job. So anyway, in my meandering path, I also came across the whole world of REST APIs, programmability, and found my way to Cisco DevNet. And so within Cisco DevNet, we do a lot with cloud and REST APIs and programmability and Python and all of this land of, wow, you can do way more things at scale, at, you know, multiplied by a thousand. So that's where certifications came in for me is I very recently got my DevNet Associate on day two that it was offered. <laughs> and that just opened this whole new path for me of this, hey, I do know enough Python, I do know how to program. And 
What I really geek out on, and this has been my path in like chemistry to technical writing to the entire like developer advocacy world is all around API documentation. How do you write that really well? How do you present it really well? How do you make it interactive? So that's all the stuff that I geek out on. So I guess, you know, it's like follow what's interesting and then and then find out how to learn more about it. And, and that's where certifications come in. So, yeah. Definitely did not know you did chemistry before. That's definitely <laughs> a nice little. It's a great path. A little tidbit there. Um, thanks, yeah. guys. So another question I had, and I'm sure a lot of people in the audience um, has this question too. Tech is a very male-dominated field, right? And with that, there comes a lot of challenges of being a woman in a male-dominated field. For you guys, what has been the biggest challenge that you guys have kind of faced with this and how have you kind of overcome it through your career journey? I'll take this one first. So for me, one of the biggest challenges of being a woman, period, full stop, not just in a male-dominated profession, is the fact that you carry the weight of the entire of womanhood on your shoulders. At current, I'm the only woman on my team. In my team's defense, it's only a year old, but still not having other women on my team means that everybody knows who I am. If somebody says, oh, well, you know, that woman engineer, she did you know, XYZ, whether XYZ was good or bad, everybody knows who that woman engineer is. And so for me, the biggest challenge is getting up every day and finding the strength to carry that extra burden. And one of the things I would like to point out that is another big challenge of being a woman in tech or in any male dominated field is that you end up having to deal with questions just like what is the biggest challenge. For the guys out there who are looking to increase their allyship skills and to really kind of dig deep into being supportive and being inclusive, I would gently challenge you to think about what this panel would look like if this was just a panel about getting into the IT industry and whether or not any of the male panelists on that theoretical getting into the IT industry panel would be asked what would it be about their gender that would challenge them into entering into or being part of the IT industry or being a network engineer. And you're not gonna get that question because when you're not a woman and you're trying to enter into IT or you're trying to exist in IT or excel in IT, no one has to ask the question about whether or not your gender poses any challenges to you because it doesn't. And so for the allies that are in the room or for the allies that are watching this, go through that as kind of a thought experiment. Go through that as kind of something to think about. What are the challenges that other people who are trying to come into this industry or other people who are trying to thrive in this industry that they're facing that have nothing to do with their skill as an engineer, have nothing to do with their competence at ACI or their ability to code Python or any of the other things that engineers do but it has to do with who they are and what they look like. That's my biggest challenge. <laughs> Thank you, Vishleen. That was definitely very insightful. Dear or Anne, do you guys want to pick up? I'll go. Pretty much 100% agree with everything Micheline said. I think my biggest challenge was in addition to being a woman and a black woman, and I'm also usually the youngest person on the team. So I'm the only woman. I might be the only black person. And then I'm the youngest. I definitely struggle with imposter syndrome and really, you know, being 
hesitant to speak up when I had an idea or a different way to approach a problem than the team. I was fortunate enough to have mentors and allies who, you know, encouraged me to speak up, encouraged me to speak my ideas. And when presenting, make sure, you know, I've done all my homework and can field the questions. And they were very good at being allies in that when they saw something happening, you know, I'm being talked over or someone's reiterating an idea I've already given as their own. They were very good about in a respectful way, calling that out and saying, you know, let, that's not the type of environment we have here and really advocating for me. So to Micheline's point about not only thinking about the other challenges that, you know, others in the industry may face in that allyship, be willing to, you know, call things out when you see them happening and having conversations with people who are disregarding the minority person in the room and really moving forward, being an actionable ally, so to speak. Definitely love the actionable ally. That's definitely I like that too. Yeah. Great. Yeah, that's a good phrase. And for me, I think like over the years, I mean, I had a lot of work to do to just realize the amount of privilege I had, even as a woman in the field, I've certainly been the only woman in the room and all of that. But I mean, I have so many things on my side, right? Like I have an awesome partner who's there when I go travel for conferences and, you know, I'm not raising kids on my own. And it's just amazing, like how much privilege I have and how many years it took me to realize that, I guess. But then there's also this trap as a woman in tech. And it's like, I looked back on one year, I gave a talk repeatedly. So it was pretty efficient, right? But about what it was like to be a woman in tech. I gave that talk seven times in one year. And if you think about what else I could have been doing with that time, like learning something new, getting another certification, like it, it is kind of a trap where you want to help out your fellow women. You want to help out and make the tech world a better place. But is it really on us? Maybe, maybe not, right? And so that's something I had to kind of learn a little bit and look back and go, well, okay, say yes to the ones that are really important to you, right? So I think that was part of the journey I had to take was like, okay, wow, you have it really good. Yes, you should help others. And yes, it's all about, you know, empower women, empower women. But it's also about, hey, figure out what else you can do to learn more, something else that matters, and just find ways to have other people help out there, right? Let others take a turn. So yeah, that was my, that was my lesson. Yeah. It's definitely seven times and we said one year, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of reuse <laughs> for what it's worth. Yeah. <laughs> fair, fair. I mean, at least you were able to reuse it. I know a lot of people in our audience are probably either thinking about pursuing a career in tech or they're already kind of started on their journey. If you could go back in time and tell your younger self when you were in that position, what is one thing you wish that you could tell your younger self that you know now that would kind of help you in your career? So one of the things I think that is the most important thing, especially in IT and how fast things are moving is you have to learn how to learn. There's an entire class, like just how to learn or how to read to learn. And so I think that's super critical. And especially as you look around today at like having to do online learning, I watch my kids struggle with this, right? And so just having an idea of how you learn best or what it means to learn, how to ask good questions, especially when you start debugging, using the rubber duck, put a rubber duck on top of your computer monitor and ask it things you know, before you start asking other people questions. My computer science teacher for my son in high school, she does that with them. And I'm like, that's the best thing ever. So like learning how to learn. I think if I would have understood that earlier, that would have been great. And here's the other thing. I went to like three hackathons before I started looking around and realizing everyone there was Googling 
the things they didn't know. And, and it's part of that like imposter syndrome where you're like, oh, I should know that, right? But then I'm looking around, I'm like, these people are really good developers and they know what they're doing and they're Googling everything. So it's that idea that like, it's okay to not know. You have to learn, it's all right. And this is how you learn. Sometimes you ask good questions. Sometimes you learn how to ask better questions. And so for me, if I would have learned that earlier or learned how to learn earlier, that's very meta. But anyway, figure that out early as you can. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Learning how to learn is always kind of the struggle. Once you do that, you can learn anything, right? Definitely everything Anne said. Learn how to learn, learn, you know, what works best for you. But for me, so after I got my CCNA, I kind of just got caught up in learning what I needed to know for my job versus continuing getting certs. So if there was one thing I would tell myself, it would be, you know, continue getting your certs. That's pretty awesome. When I switched my careers, one of the primary reasons that I switched from the law to the IT field to network engineering was because the law didn't change all that fast. And so I was kind of getting a little stifled in it. In comparison, network engineering is like swimming a rapid river. <laughs> you are always learning something new. Even if you're not going for the next cert, even if you have no aspiration for getting a certification, you have to keep learning. There's always a new technology or there's always a change in the release that you're running on your devices. The very first thing, and I think Anne really hit it on the head, is learn for yourself how you learn. For me, I still have a hard time learning while watching videos. And I know that's a super popular medium right now. There's a ton of really good video media out there. I just can't absorb it that way. I know that about myself. So I end up looking for materials that are written in some fashion. Usually, sometimes I listen to podcasts. You have to sit down for yourself and not just learn how you learn, but what is your best medium. I kind of use it as the analogy of, you know, your teacher might be sending you a ton of packets, but if you don't know what protocol they're in, she could just be bouncing balls off your head. That could be super frustrating. So learn how you learn and what medium is the best for you right away. Think about that right away, what works best for you. Definitely. I like the, the analogy about the, the balls bouncing off the head after I read, <laughs> read a chapter. I feel like, you know, <laughs> that's kind of me. Someone could ask me and I just wouldn't know. <laughs> so we've talked a little bit about challenges and that sort of thing. But I guess, what do you guys absolutely love about your career in tech? I mean, there's a lot of different things, but I just like to hear what makes it special for you guys and what people could kind of look forward to getting into that field. For me, like Micheline said, it's constantly changing. And there's always something new to learn. You're never going to get bored. Pretty much your only limitation in tech is yourself and your drive. You can definitely decide, you know what, I just want to be a master at route switch and nothing else. Or you can say, you know, I want to be a master at, you know, ice and that's my domain. And then I just want to know just enough about these other technologies. So you really get to forge your own path. And that gives you the ability to kind of pivot. You're never going to be bored and you pretty much control the trajectory of, you know, where you want to go. For me, the thing that I like most is helping other people solve their problems. In the role that I'm in right now, you know, I have a lot of customer interface. I'm helping customers implement new technologies, you know, to solve the current problems that they have. And a lot of times when I come in, the network, the customer's team is struggling with causes a lot of pain. 
there's a lot of suffering going on there because the network's not properly designed or it's too old. And so for me, the ability to come in and help people in a collaboration to solve their problems and to get to a place where they've got a well-working network, that gives me a lot of satisfaction. I, I really enjoy that part. And after all, in the grand scheme of things, the network is a tool just like everything else is. And if it's causing you stress, then you probably use them the tool the wrong way or it's not the right tool for the job or along those lines. And so for me, that medium between being able to engage my brain using problem solving skills and being able to turn that towards making somebody else's, you know, work day better, the work lives better, that gives me a lot of satisfaction. I still remember my dad bringing home like weird gadgets and stuff or like the latest computer from work. and. Just seeing the stuff as, you know, the early Apple computers and being able to geek out on that stuff. And even just like now, this time we're in right now, where we're literally watching like SpaceX raise the bar on what's going on. So like to me, tech is so broad and you can do anything in it. It's such an amazing world we're living in, right? And I know there's like all the ethics and the interesting things we're going to see as far as like governance and what's going on with the content side and all of that. And we're really going to have to, as an industry, figure out what's important to the world and to us as individuals and how do we, you know, make sure we're doing the right thing for humans, right? But I mean, my favorite part is like, we get to keep making neat, cool things and bring them home and try them. And, and it's just like, I've watched the stuff going on in the world today and just be like, yes, tech moved that forward. I mean, that'll keep me going on forever, right? Let's say, you know, someone in the audience is just starting out and you know, really looking to kind of get a head start in their potential IT career, what kind of skills would they need to develop? That can be either technical skills like automation or you know, communication, those kind of skills. What do you recommend that they have to kind of give them a head start? I would definitely recommend to anybody entering into the IT field, not just networking, but anywhere, to pick up some automation skills. Learn some Python, learn a little bit of Ansible, get comfortable with that medium. I tell this story about when I was in high school. I was the only girl in the first class of my high school for the first class of basic. Basic. And my teacher didn't believe that women should code, so I never got any help. And eventually, the frustration level got to the point where, you know, I can't figure this out on my own. That's why I'm picking the class. It was a bad ending on that relationship. But that said, for women who are entering into IT, don't let that stop you. Automation is a language. It's a way to communicate just like talking or writing or issuing a CLI command to a router or a switch. And, you know, at its very basic core, IT people are deeply embedded in how we communicate. So learning this new way to communicate, this new way, listen to me, I'm terrible. Um, <laughs> Uh, learning this new way to communicate should be part and parcel of what you study from day one. And that brings me to my other point is to learn to communicate with your peers. The human networking in the IT industry is just as important as getting my router to talk to my switch. How you get word of your next promotion or maybe your first job or every job between your first job and your last job in this industry, a huge part of it is who you know, who will give you, oh, a little birdie told me that XYZ is available. Do that networking. Those two things, learning to network with other people and learning to network 
using automation are the two things that I would say for anybody coming into this industry. That should be number one and number two on your list. The soft skills are really, really important. I think a lot of people who I've encountered, they're just naturally introverts. <laughs> I was one. It's been a long journey. <laughs> like doing something like this would have terrified me five years ago. Definitely learning to communicate, being able to present your ideas, being able to break down complex technical details into simplified details for the non-techies. So you're not just, you know, like users and customers, but, you know, project managers, your server and application teams who don't know networking. I think we've all, you know, spent time proving it's not the network. And that can be really frustrating, but being able to turn that into an educational experience for them so that they come away with one understanding a little bit more about how the network works. And then when they have problems in the future, they can even come to you and may have done some of the initial troubleshooting themselves. Like, hey, I'm not able to get to Google, but I can do this, that, and the other. Can you help me a little bit more? So definitely being able to communicate both verbally and written and really being able to collaborate with your team members, other teams, and users. So I have a whole other round of thought. I mean, people skills are super important. So I'm a people manager now and I was on the technical track for years and only recently have done the people manager track. So don't be afraid of the people manager track. Don't be afraid of those soft skills. Like super important, super fun. And I love my job right now, but here's the thing. Like I also think it's super important to figure out how to take things apart. So here's an example. In the Austin office at Cisco, we host high school and middle school girls for a day of like, here's what technology jobs are like. We'll do mock interviews and stuff like that. And for years we have squirreled away actual desktop computers that you can take apart. Because one of the engineers in tests that we worked at, she's like, I didn't take a computer apart until I got to college. And everyone else she ever was with, they were like making their own computers at 12, 14, 16, and she's like, I had never even seen a motherboard. I have never taken RAM out. I had never pulled the case apart on a computer. And she's like, now I do that all the time and I'm totally comfortable with it. So anyway, we hide these desktop computers under our desks so that every year we can bring them out. So like a skill to develop is like, learn how actual hardware works. Learn how to take things apart. You know, now everybody has laptops. Now everybody has cell phones, but just, you know, keep hardware to the side so that you know how to pop RAM in and out. And like, you know, I'm teaching my kids and you can't be delicate with this stuff. Sometimes you gotta snap it and pull it and don't be afraid of it. So like, that's a definite skill is just, figure out how things work and don't be afraid to get in there. I'm not the same with like my car, like I'll let other people handle my car, right? But <laughs> in the computer world, like start taking stuff apart. Here's the analogy that has truly helped me throughout my career is anytime I was kind of bored at work or couldn't quite get to the next level in my job, open source and volunteering there has been a game changer for me. If I couldn't quite find an interesting project at work, I could go find something to volunteer to learn the next interesting thing. And then I would get that next skill set. Here's the thing, like open source has changed a lot, even in the last 10, 12 years, right? There's a really interesting article in Wired this month about how the numbers are changing like a lot of software is on the backs of like three to four maintainers. It's kind of scary. But that also means that we can go find projects that need a little bit of help or where you can just learn a little bit of a new thing or experiment with something, right? If you can just find that little person who can help you along or little 
bug that you can fix, right? That is the world of open sources where you can pull the cover off of something, see how it really works, get in there, take the lid off of it. Even if you only find out a little part of it, right? You've at least like expanded your world that little bit. So to me, the skill set is what's under the covers? What next layer can I start to understand? What new thing can I volunteer for? Just understand that little bit, a little bit more. Yeah, that's a skill I think is just finding that next thing you could try out. Just to piggyback on what Ann said, the network equivalent of that is get some old gear, get access to a virtual environment and just start building things. When I first started out and I got some old gear and it arrived and it sat in my basement and I was terrified to turn it on. You know, I was like, I was like, I, I was like, I'm gonna crash the internet. Everybody's gonna lose that, you know, everybody's gonna lose access to Google. I'm gonna be that person that everybody vilified. I was terrified. You gotta get over that. You gotta get in the lab. You gotta learn to not be afraid to break things. Right. So, right. Um, lab every day. Lab there every day. So I work in Cisco DevNet and I'd be a terrible DevNetter if I didn't say like, we have sandboxes, there's the CML where you can set up your own networks yep. and you're not going to break the internet, right? You can go try these things out. And I mean, I'm a little terrified of it because like networking is my weak point, right? But it is, it's true. It's like, yeah, you have to figure out like where are things configured and what layer can I understand next? And yeah, great idea, Michelle. Love that. Go and get your hands dirty. Go play in the sandbox. Yeah, go play, go play in the sandbox. I love that. Let's see. Another question I had, I guess it's one thing to kind of look at, you know, what a job description is and what kind of skills are needed, but it's another thing to kind of live that experience. Could you guys for you know, maybe people in the audience who don't really know what the different roles are kind of tell me what a day in your life would be as a IT professional. And this is Micheline's favorite question. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a consulting engineer and I work at a Cisco partner, CDW. And kind of the way the workflow goes is that there's a customer out there they need to refresh their data center. So they'll start by talking with our pre-sales team and the pre-sales team will do kind of a very preliminary conversation about what solutions might fit best with the customer. And as an implementation engineer, I might be brought in on some of the very last conversations pre-sales wise to talk to the customer about a particular solution. And in my case, I get brought in to talk about BCI. Once the customer decides that's the solution that they want to go to, before they buy any equipment, what we would do is what's called a planning and design. And so I would sit down with the customer, I would spend quite a few hours with them, talking to them about what does their current network look like? What are the pain points in their network? What are the things that their network has to deliver? What sort of traffic is that? Are they running multicast, for example? In computer networking, multicast refers to a method of providing an efficient way for many different users and devices to be able to access the internet, even if they're working off of only one server. Do they have security requirements that they need to keep some traffic separate from some other traffic? Is their network this big wide open network and they've got one switch with all the ACLs on it in the middle and that sort of thing. And from those conversations, what I would do is develop a design document for them. You know, it basically goes through everything we talked about and proposes an ACI design for them. So in terms of the soft skills that we talked about, bringing into play there is your ability to have a good structured conversation with a customer, to be able to pull out the information that you need from them, and then be able to translate that into a document that makes sense 
not just from a design perspective, but can be consumed back to the customer. That design document also would include things like, I would recommend you go to a core cluster rather than use a single switch as your core, or I would recommend that you take this opportunity to beef up your out-of-band management because you don't have any. Out-of-band management is more complex than what I'm about to describe, but it basically allows someone in charge of the network to be able to access a device even when the network is down, the device itself is turned off in sleep mode, or otherwise unavailable. The basic idea of this is to be able to ensure that you always have access to a lot of critical IT assets like routers and switches, which we mentioned earlier, or firewalls, servers, power, storage, and a range of other things. To learn more about the details behind out-of-band management, please visit the Cisco Learning Network at www.ciscolearningnetwork.com. Or other recommendations to strengthen their network. Once that happens, the customer can take that planning and design document and use that to finalize their purchase. Once a purchase is finalized, and then I work with the customer to actually make what we've talked about and what we've planned together a reality. And so in a typical day, I might be talking to customers, either WebEx or in real life. I might be writing a design document for them. I might be researching a part of a solution for them. ACI release 5.1 just came out a couple weeks ago. I got to read up on that. You know, I'm working on studying for my latest certification. I got to be working on that. Or, you know, I want to bone up a little bit on multi-site because I know I've got a customer meeting next week with a customer who's going to have some questions about multi-site. I got to bone up on that. It is a beautifully varied day. <laughs> so as Anne said, you will never be bored. Yeah, it definitely sounds like there's a lot to learn and a lot to keep up with. My day-to-day -day has changed with my role. I went from pretty much focusing all on tickets to doing a combination of support tickets and project work. And now I am mostly focused on project work. So that's typically all encompassing, you know, working for project managers to review requirements, research technologies, meeting with vendors, doing proof of concepts, comparison analysis, and then, you know, actually doing the project work, <laughs> working with the other teams for some migration, working with them to make sure we have everything fleshed out before migration day working with tech if we run into an issue and then like micheline said spending time learning anything related to my subject area so data center aci cisco ice and then studying for certification so lots of research planning testing a little bit of the implementation work and then usually troubleshooting the implementation if something goes awry yeah definitely a lot for you too i learning seems to be a common theme among all of them <laughs> So a lot of my day has to do, well, not even a day, like I honestly have started to think in weeks and months and quarters to try to do more longer term planning for my team and to try to think what is it we want to get done, what outcomes are we looking for. I recently onboarded half of a new team. We're doing tours of the factory floor, I try to call it. So we manage all of the content on developer.cisco.com. Then also try to do a lot of basically CICD for that content, right? So automation around how we build. So we treat our docs like code. We use GitHub for the content management. So a lot of it, I get to geek out around the tooling around that 
write and support for the tooling. We support over a thousand writers and engineers across Cisco who are using our tooling to publish on developer.cisco. So we're meeting with people inside of Cisco, we're meeting with teams inside of DevNet, inside of DevCX, and I held a staff meeting this morning. So there's just a lot of cool collaboration. I love different tools for collaboration. I love looking for engineering efficiencies as well. So there's just a lot of, man, you can do that a lot of different ways. Like I said, I'm fairly new to the whole idea of like people management, team building, that longer strategic thinking, but it's been really exciting. I feel like the more you get into management, the more you have to look across teams and, and figure out, well, they're working really hard on this too and what cross-team stuff is important to them and priorities and shifting and how do you take on the stuff that's changing even if you know it's changing week over week, month over month. So I think that's why it's so hard to describe any day in the life, right? It's just all that dynamic work, but it's also like, that's what makes it exciting. And that's what keeps you going and why the career aspect is so intriguing. Cause we get to say, Hey, I am kind of in charge of my destiny and Hey, I have some autonomy and Hey, I'm actually setting direction here. And you know, that is the really cool thing. Like I have some influence that I can make things happen. And I think that is really the amazing thing about what we've been able to build at Cisco and within DevNet and man, more good things coming, right? Yeah, definitely. Everybody seems to have very varied work days and things that they get to play with. That's really exciting. One of the questions I had is right now, is it better for me to try and get a Cisco CCMP or spend valuable time learning Python? And I'd like to piggyback off of that and I guess ask, how do you decide what to learn? There's so much to learn, as you guys have said. How do you decide where to go next and kind of how to budget your time studying for things that are actually important? The CCNP certification that Sarah just mentioned here is the Cisco Certified Network Professional. The way Cisco certifications are categorized are by entry level, associate, professional, and expert. Within each of those categories are multiple certifications you can earn. Entry level certifications provide a starting point for individuals interested in starting a career as a networking professional. Associate certifications are designed to help you master the essentials needed to launch a rewarding career and expand your job possibilities with the latest technologies. Professional level certifications are the next level and provide you with the option to select a core technology track and a focused concentration exam. Your question ought to be was, what should be my first certification? And I think for a lot of people, you know, their first certification is a CCNA level. The route switch is a really good entry point for a lot of people. A lot of people start in route switch, but that doesn't mean you have to start in route switch. I would spend a little bit of time getting your feet wet in a bunch of different ponds and deciding what you really like, what really keeps you going during the day, what keeps you excited what you're just jazzed to learn and go for that one first. You yeah, have to agree with that point. You definitely want to try to do a couple of different demos, see what really resonates with you and then go down that path to kind of answer Sarah's specific question about how do I decide what to learn? I have, you know, my three primary domains and this was all just my first job was in an environment where I got to touch a lot of different technologies. So I got to kind of figure out what I didn't like. Please don't call me for any phone stuff. <laughs> 
So I, I try to prioritize, you know, what aligns with my current role the most. And I've been fortunate enough to be focused in route switch, data center and security. So all of those light up all my nerd knobs. So definitely learning that. And then with that kind of following industry trends. So, you know, DevNet and automation are big. I'm not a programmer at all. I did try to do the 100 days of code and I got super overwhelmed. So I'm definitely taking a slower approach with that now. But what aligns with my interests and my career and then what the industry is trending towards. So I think the top two being automation and cloud. Yeah, I think my take would be, you know, why not both? And so that's where like a Cisco DevNet associate and Cisco DevNet professional kind of sit, right? If you look at the different areas to study for that, it would give you like practical reasons to study Python. Don't just study Python to study Python. It's kind of boring, right? It's for loops and that, you know, study Python to see what you could do with that. Oh. I have a list of IP addresses and I need to do a lookup on something. Find practical Python reasons to study Python, right? And for me, it was giant lists of JSON for some data that I had to use, right? So for me, it was either some YAML structure or some JSON structure that I was like, I'm done looking at this as a person. I need a program to help me get through this. And so just try to find something practical, maybe in networking, maybe not. I mean, maybe it's, you know, some dumb lookup list that you're like, I'm just done. I'm just not going to do this anymore. <laughs> if, if it's your CD collection, I don't care. I think that's the way we need to start looking at learn Python. It's like, no, just find a reason to make your brain deal with it. And there's some motivation there, hopefully. Yeah, for me, it was some data set that I was like, I'm just done. I, I have to figure out how to loop through this. Firewall rules for me. Was it? All right. Firewall <laughs> rules. Yep. Can't look at that any longer. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys. Great answers. And we did have another person in the chat. I'm not sure if any of you guys can speak to this. They said they're an educator changing gears in IT and I'm studying to get my CCNA. I'm interested in working with cloud or AI in the future and was wondering if anybody had any tips on maybe getting there. Yeah, so I mean, a lot of my background was an open source cloud. And so I feel like there's a lot of good cloud tutorials that you can get free accounts at a certain tier, even if it only costs you three bucks a month, you know, there are certain cloud tutorials you can try, especially learn Docker tutorials at a very basic level, you know, try out the Kubernetes tutorials at a very basic level, which are cloud-ish, you know, but I think that those are worth just wrapping your head around at a practical level and, and by a practical level again it's like do the tutorials get the finger memory where your muscle memory is there and you can play around with the cli and just get your head wrapped around like cloud it's really just someone else's computer right but it's mm -hmm. it's computer resources at your fingertips it's storage resources at your fingertips it's networking that you're setting up cloud is a very ephemeral abstract concept but just doing some baseline tutorials could at least get you an understanding of what is this thing, what's the big deal, and get you some kind of conceptual understanding. And here's the thing, there's a great book, it's called So Good They Can't Ignore You. And basically he talks about just finding these small projects where you get better and better until the projects are the proof that you are good, right, at what you're doing. But you have to do the little, little, tutorial projects to get any better. Now, so that's cloud, right? Just because I've gone through that myself. It's a while because you just have to start these base layers because it's so abstract. It's abstraction upon abstraction, right? Then AI, 
again, there's, there's small tutorials where you could start to get the basic understanding of where does cloud and AI intersect. But again, you'd have to look at like, well, what are small projects that would matter to me in AI? And for me, it'd be like, what doesn't creep me out, maybe? <laughs> but, uh, you know, I've worked in technical writing, I've worked in customer support. And, and so some of those are kind of practical examples of AI actually helping people, right? So you might start to look in those areas for little things that could help out. And I mean, career changing, like that's awesome. You'll just have to look for these little basics that you can start to add layers of what you understand and of the abstractions. Yeah, and don't get intimidated. Maybe one more question. You guys talk a lot about learning how to learn. What is like the number one tip for learning how to learn, for kind of taking that giant technical book and being able to absorb that information? So I'd recommend, and this is a free course on Coursera. There's literally a course called Learning How to Learn. And, you know, once you've gone through that course, it definitely changed the way I studied because I was typically, oh, I'm just going to read 40 pages by the end of the day. Not at all realistic. <laughs> and they really go into different techniques for how to break up, you know, the content you're trying to learn, how to know if the way you're going is working and when to pivot. So I'd say definitely start with that course. Yeah, I've heard that that course comes up on a lot of people's learning how to learn shortlist. Same for me. Yep. Third. Thirded. <laughs> Thirded. <laughs> learn how to learn. The other thing I would say about that is don't discount old school methods of learning. I have a notebook that I keep. I literally write stuff down in my notebook. I'm a huge believer in flashcards because they're portable. I can take them wherever I want to and I can flip through them. Studies have actually shown that the actual physical act of writing something down helps to hard code that into your neurons. It helps you to absorb the information better. So just going through the physical act of writing flashcards out helps you with your not just your memory retention, but your actual ability to understand the material that you're writing down. So don't discount those kinds of methods. I always kind of say, you know, the programming is there, even if it's old, you might as well take use of it. Flashcards, old school notebooks, I saw Diera's notebook. <laughs> Do things like that, you know, physical acts like that to help you comprehend and retain the material that you're working on because it's going to be tough sometimes. Like, especially for myself, when I started out, I was that girl who was like, what's a switch? Uh, router what, what what's a router so starting from that basic level for me anyway it was a huge brain stretch to wrap my brain around stuff that i just before had no idea so be patient with yourself that's it for our discussion with Ann Gentle, Deara Footman, and Micheline Murphy. Special thanks to Cisco Learning Network Community Manager Sarah Perigine for hosting this session. If you'd like to learn more about how to get started or continue your journey in earning Cisco certifications, please visit the Cisco Learning Network at www.ciscolearningnetwork.com. There, you'll find an entire community and endless resources to help you in your career journey. Please subscribe to the Cisco Learning Network podcast if you'd like to hear more from experts like those you heard from in this episode, as well as stories of others in their certification journeys and news and updates in the certification world. Thanks for listening. <laughs>